0: Rony Zone media and Once Upon a Time fan podcast proudly present Disney Once Again. Hello and welcome to Disney Once Again. In this podcast, we will revisit a Disney classic animated film. We're going to give our favorite things about it and any connections that we see to ABC TV's Once Upon a Time. Your hosts are Jeff Roney and Colleen Roney. And now, on with the show. Welcome, everyone, again, to our podcast. And we have just watched 1973 Disney's Robin Hood.
1: Yes, we have indeed.
0: And it was... Quite an interesting experience. It's been a long time since I've seen it.
1: I would say the last time I saw this was probably early 90s. So it was probably 20 years old when I saw it.
0: We have a lot of things to discuss and we're also going to integrate little once upon a time connections here and there. So why don't you begin?
1: First thing I noticed was the book opening Mm -hmm. as usual. It does remind you that you're watching a fairy tale or a story, which is funny because Robin Hood is actually not a fairy tale. I mean it's it's a good story but there's very there's really no true elements of a fairy tale associated with it. Hmm. But I do love it. It's a great great book. The narrator is a rooster and they don't tell you his name in the credits, which by the way the opening credits was very different than what we've seen with just about any other movie. It showed you the characters, told you their name and what type of animal they were, yep. which I thought was kind of funny. The rooster. And he's the, the narrator. Now, his name happens to be Alan Dale, which is very funny because right off the bat, we have the very first Once Upon a Time connection just with the rooster's name. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, absolutely. King George yep. is played by the actor Alan Dale, which is so funny because, of course, they had no way of knowing that back in the day. Yes. So that was kind of funny that that was just a, a random coincidental tie-in. The opening credits was a very interesting way to do that where they showed you not only the character name what type of animal they were and the actor who voiced it. So we didn't we don't see that much in these Disney movies. We really don't.
0: Yeah. And back in those days they had the entire credits roll at the beginning of the movie. We're so used to at the end. At the end, so. Yep.
1: Right. And the other thing too with credits nowadays, they credit anybody who had anything to do with the movie True Back then I don't think they credited everybody because when I'm saying anybody they credit caterers mm-hmm. they credit the executives executive assistants interns anybody to who the, d- yeah, ad- anybody yeah. who drove somebody mm-hmm. on the, I mean right. that's and that's I'm not saying that's a problem I'm just saying credits now run for a good 5 minutes after the movie ends Yeah and that's because they're crediting Everybody. Whereas back in the day, even on TV shows, they didn't credit everybody who was a part of the cast or production or crew. They just credited the main primary first unit, so to speak. True. I did like that they ran, um, I don't know if you noticed this, but they ran the characters across the screen. And what they were actually doing is they were running scenes that we were going to see later. There oh. were little things. So when they introduced little John, th- it was a scene of him pulling a carrot out of the pot and then kind of sneering at it and throwing it away. Hmm. And if you notice later on, he did the exact same thing in the actual movie when it was playing. I did so, miss that. Yeah. yeah. So all the little characters that ran across the screen, all, uh, screen, screen, all those characters and those scenes were actually scenes from the, the movie itself. So that was kind of an interesting way to do that. Anyway, we see the rooster. He kind of gives us an exposition and really wasn't because they played uh, Roger Miller's Whistle Stop um, over the opening credits, which has zero vocals.
0: Right. And Brad pointed that out on our Facebook he page. He did so indeed. Thanks, Brad, for that.
1: Yes, and by the way, that um, commercial as or that song, as Brad pointed out, was a Super Bowl commercial. It was used in a Super Bowl commercial. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember which one exactly, but it was one of them where it was a T-Mobile commercial. So it may be familiar to people that way. And people probably didn't realize that they had actually seen that at that point. And I'll talk about some of the soundtrack stuff later too, because I have some interesting information on that. The fact that they used animals in these characters instead of trying to draw people, which is what they've done. According to my research, there was a project that was potentially going to happen called Brainard the Fox, and it got shelved. So later on, they incorporated the fox into Robin Hood. Mm. So we have this interesting way of kind of looking at the story of Robin Hood, but using animals. And they actually, and I think you had a comment about this, the animals that they used were very appropriate for the roles they played, so to speak.
0: True. The sidekick, which I also noticed that once upon a time has no sidekicks for the main evil or good characters, per se. They don't have an assistant that does things for them. But in this, we have a snake. (laughs) That's the (laughs) sidekick or helper for the Prince John or King John, however you want to look at it. But, yes, and the fox is Robin Hood, sneaky, Mm -hmm.
2: helping, but sneaking. Very cunning. cunning.
0: And the bear and the rhinoceroses and hippopotamuses with the armor are the guards and Mm -hmm. the army for John.
1: The announcers are the elephants Mm -hmm. because they trumpet and herald. They're the heralds, so to speak. And they herald, you know, whatever's happening in the story. The buzzards. Are key to the gallows and the guarding the prisoners on death row right. so that was kind of an interesting thing and also did you notice what was sheriff of Nottingham he was a wolf do you find that fascinating that our good friend Sheriff Graham
0: right well that's very good for once moment who
1: time. was the sheriff of Nottingham mm-hmm. so there's that whole I mean he was the huntsman in fairy tale world right or enchanted Forest. But he technically had the role of Sheriff of Nottingham.
0: You know, I never noticed that. Yeah. Okay.
1: (laughs) So, though Sheriff of Nottingham worked for Prince John in Robin Hood, in Once Upon Time, the Sheriff of Nottingham, so to speak, works for Regina, Mm -hmm. the evil queen.
0: I also wanted to point out just a couple of things. Number one, Robin Hood is like a Game of Thrones for kids. It's kind of a fun look at the politics of kingdoms, rulerships, mm-hmm. that kind of a thing. Also, I, it was a cloaked country esque cartoon. Mm. Even though the Alan Adele, the rooster, rooster mm-hmm. that was singing the song, said it was a folk singer. Yeah. There was no folk at all. There was lots of country, country actors, sure. country style singing. A lot of the Roger Miller songs are country, right. obviously. Oh, well, yeah. At the time, folk music was still pretty oh, big, huge and I'm not saying that country music wasn't but it was kind of interesting they were trying to relate to the audience who really enjoyed these folk singers and folk songs
1: right you were still dealing with the you know coming off of the hippie and you were still dealing with Vietnam War was still going on at that time so real interesting dichotomy there what I did notice too speaking of the fact that you have this country flavor to it but yet it's set in England and you have a very huge mix of accents
0: absolutely you
1: have these heavy Southern accents, which we'll talk about Pat bedroom in a minute because mm-hmm. I love Pat Bertram. But you've got these American-accented characters, and then you have these British-accented, and even Scottish. Yes. So I thought that was really cool. That they mixed it because you know one of the things we've noticed in, and I've always noticed in Once Upon a Time, is that you have people from ver- that have varying accents, and. It shouldn't really surprise any of us because we're so used to seeing that in different, you know, things. Because, again, there's nothing that says, oh, well, if it's all set in England, they must all be English. Well, you might have a visitor from, you know, America or from Germany or Scotland or whatever. So
0: True. We did briefly watch Robin Hood, Men in Tights before we oh, watched yeah, we did. Robin Hood. Yeah. And the line that Robin Hood said in that, in Robin Hood, Men in Tights was, apart from other actors who played Robin Hood, I... Go ahead.
1: Yes. Unlike other Robin Hoods, right. I can speak with an English accent.
0: <laughs> and it's almost a given. Yeah. To give this air of Britishness to the story. Mm-hmm. Robin Hood had a British accent even in this cartoon.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. So we have, you know, Prince John, who is a lion. Yes. Who is the younger brother of Richard, the lion hearted, because yes. that's who Robin Hood that's who was the main character. So they again went back to this whole appropriate character. Animal for the character. And then you have Sir His, the snake, who was very sleazy and slimy. But ironically, when they drew him, a lot of his movements made it look like he had appendages. So, like, his tail oh. would curl up into like yep. a hand and be finger. And then he would, he leaned over a basket at one point and like it looked like he was leaning on his arms. But Ella Enchanted, if you haven't seen it, it's Anne Hathaway mm-hmm. and Hugh Dancy. Great fun little story but the prince it's a very similar story so to speak but the prince got rid of the king and he had a sidekick who was a snake back to the characters so we have some amazing voice actors we have phil harris who is known as baloo in jungle book he did the voice of baloo in jungle book he was the voice of Prince or Little John.
0: Looks similar to me, too. It almost was like Baloo snuck on, you know, into this film somehow. <laughs> I don't know what was first, well, but I'm just saying. I
1: believe Jungle Book was first. Okay. I'm pretty sure Jungle Book was first. And then the other thing you have to think about, too, is you're looking at some of the same animators. So you see these animator styles, and you see the similarities and characters that they've already used before. I'm also going to bring up another little point that I have information on, which is that this production had a very low budget, considerably mm-hmm. lower than most of the other ones, I guess. And so what they ended up doing was they reused a lot of sequences. I noticed it. There was a point where the little girl bunny, I can't remember her name, but the little girl bunny, Skippy's sister She was laughing, and she slid down a tree while she was laughing. That was towards the beginning of the movie. Towards the end of the movie, same exact scene. Almost, I'm almost positive, it was exact same scene. Mm -hmm. They reused that because they'd already had it before. Here's another little tidbit for you. The dance sequences for some of the dance, that was actually a redrawing of some other dance sequences they used for Snow White mm. and for, I want to say, uh, Beauty and the Beast. Oh, no, uh, Snow White, Jungle Book, and The Rest of Cats, which had all come before.
0: Jungle Book, 1967. So, so we Perry wondered Huff. about that. Yes,
1: so. good, yeah. good to know. Yeah. So, like I said, I mean, they,
0: they reused They a reused a
1: lot of it yeah. because, because it was a small budget.
0: The rock-breaking scene I saw twice. Yeah. At the end of the film, it, it, I've, I saw that twice. The first time it extended out mm-hmm. to the breaking of the rock and in hitting John's foot. Mm-hmm. The second time we see it, we didn't see it go that far. So right. they reused it. They so. reused it. Yeah.
1: So, and, and when you're on a budget, mm-hmm. sure. And again, 1973, I think people were, you know, they'd seen Snow White. They'd seen Cinderella. They'd seen Sleeping Beauty. They'd seen all these other films. But I think it was a different time and a different... Because you think about the 50s and what was going on in the 50s. What was going on in the 40s and the 30s. Just very different time period. And I think in the 70s, it was all very free and kind of still hippie-ish. So you kind of had that whole... um, I think they just... People kind of forgave that.
0: The film was a... Or didn't notice. (laughs) True. I think the film was a like a folk song, if you will, or a country song, if you will, about the trouble of the world. Mm-hmm. The, the, and when people watched that, they, they talked about taxes, how they were taxing the life out of people, mm-hmm. throwing them in jail because they couldn't pay taxes. And people could relate to that. And yeah. just about any time people could say, well, this is the worst time in the history of whatever country they're living in this movie if you're watching it you you can kind of relate you go yeah the taxes are too high it's really sapping the life out of us they're stealing taxes out of the poor box out from the the kids birthday mm-hmm. uh, all these different things this is horrendous right. and so whatever time it you can relate to it but
1: Well, and again, remember, you know, Vietnam War is going on, so that was a big deal here in America. And then you're dealing with, if I'm not mistaken, the oil crisis was going on early '70s as well. Yeah, thereabouts. Yeah. So you're starting to get to that point where you know you're right; taxes were too high. People were complaining about taxes, and you you can watch uh, television from the '70s from that same time period, and you can see that it was, you know, that that was a a very common theme: um, oppression of the poor and things like that.
0: Can, can I talk about sure Prince John or King John, whatever side <laughs> you're going to fall on? He really, it was interesting when they first introduced him, he was saying taxes, taxes. So it was almost and like an arrow, if you will, mm-hmm. exactly what he was all about. There was no question. He was about money, taxes, getting it, right. that's it. and. He was funny because he was kind of dumb or dim. The snake actually, Sir Hiss, was actually the smartest guy in the room. Right. But the prince wouldn't listen to the snake because the snake was sneaky, right? Sure. And so whenever the snake would try and tell him something, he'd tie his neck up or push him away or not listen to him, whatever. But Prince John was funny, comedic, silly but he was very evil. There was that, that, that line of evil you could look in his eyes and he, especially toward the end. Yeah. Was oh, really yeah. Pretty scary, actually.
1: Yeah, yeah. He was kind of a scary character because he was very bumbling, like you said at the beginning. I mean, he was so taken in by the gypsies when Robin and uh, Little John were gypsies and wanting to tell his fortune, which was a very funny scene in and of itself. Reminded me a little bit of how Snow White meant... Oh, Charming. right, right. Not so much the fortune-telling piece, but the whole stopping of the carriage and basically creating a diversion and taking what needed to happen, and, you know, taking the money and in one, one spot, on spot of time. time. Yep. Yes. Yep. yes.
0: The, I, I did want to say really fast that the animation specifically of the snake was probably some of the best I've seen because of the 3D effect of the face. It was yeah. very interesting. It wasn't flat. No, And in, in, in the face kept moving around, sure. looking at you, and then kind of turning to the right and to the left, and you could see the, the movement. I was very impressed with it, actually, the, the lines on the mm-hmm. mouth and, and all that. So
1: I'm willing to bet, because I haven't done the research, that if we go back and look at who actually was the animator for the snake, it's probably the same animator that animated Ka from the Jungle mm, Book, yeah. which, by the way... When Sir Hiss hypnotized, or started to hypnotize Prince John while they're sitting there, it was the exact same look. Mm-hmm. The same, like, spinning, spinning right. circles in the eyes, you know, like the, the dizzy wheel look. Mm-hmm. That whole thing was replicated almost exactly from Jungle Book. Because Ka did the exact same thing to Mowgli. Yeah. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken... I think at one point in time, the snake even said, hold still, please, or said something like that, which is exactly what Ka said to Mowgli when he was singing trust in me. Hmm. Um, So anyway, so there are so many, so many replications from different, you know, previous movies, but also I, I caught a lot more connections to Once Upon a time than I would have imagined. Now, when I went into this, thinking, you know, how are we going to tie this to Once Upon a Time? We know Robin Hood is himself, but sure. I didn't realize there was going to be a lot more ties that were things that we just would never have even thought of. Um, and we'll get to some of them as we go, but primarily, I mean, it's not just the characters. You have Robin Hood and Prince John. You have Maid Marian. Now, what I also notice is characters that we haven't seen yet right. that we might be seeing sometime soon. Potentially. Marian the difference between our Marion in Once Upon a Time and this Marian is that this Marian somehow I thought it was really interesting she lived in the in the castle. Mm. Which is funny because she wasn't she was technically, according to the story story, the cousin of King Richard, which would make her a cousin of Prince John. So I don't know if that's why she was in the castle, because when the children were playing around with the bow and arrow, um, when Skippy was playing with that after Robin gave it to him for his birthday, the arrow landed in the yard in Prince John's backyard. Yep. And yet there was Marion and her lady-in-waiting. So this Marion is a royal, but our Marion, we don't know if she is or not. Right. It doesn't seem that she is. So it'll be interesting to see... How that pans out. Maybe she will turn out to be somebody royal. That would be an interesting little twist because we're not expecting that for Once Upon a Time. Yep. So I'd be interested to find out if that's the case.
0: We've also seen Little John.
1: We have seen Little John. Friar Tuck. Friar
0: Tuck. Mary Men.
1: We have seen those guys, yes. And interestingly enough, there's no Will Scarlet in Robin Hood. Right. But there is in Once Upon a Time. Mm Mm-hmm. At least there was in Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, which I'm so excited that he's coming (sighs) to Once Upon a Time.
0: I love the prince with psychological issues. (laughs) There was was a lot of very adult moments in this cartoon. We'll get to a few more, but I was very surprised that it was done with a comedic edge, Mm -hmm. but you know, mommy wouldn't like it or mommy this and sucking on the thumb. It was yeah. very kind of Smothers Brothers. And again, that <laughs> was in that seventies mindset.
1: Yeah. yeah. Very
0: very subversive. It yeah. was very it was a very interesting cartoon. There were so many different things. I was going, That's in here? Yeah. Wow, okay. Yeah. But yeah, I, I was just kind of blown away. Do you want to talk about the the ruse with the fortune teller scene? Sure. There's a lot of different things. Look, back, way back in the day, back in British old plays, you had men dressed up as women. Absolutely. There's another kind of a sneaking in somewhere, men dress up like women. It's been done forever. And we see this again. Yeah. The the boob joke when, I don't know who, I think it was rabbits or something, fell into... (laughs) <laughs> Little John. It
1: was the rhinos. Boobs. It was the rhinos, the guards.
0: Yeah, I was like, wow, okay.
1: <laughs> that was pretty funny. I, I did notice that, too.
0: I, I know that it was, you know, stuffing or whatever, yeah. but I still I was like, I, that's in a Disney movie? <laughs> okay.
1: Well, the fact that they so. had rather buxom you sure, know, know, portrayals yeah. of these women. I mean, even Lady Cluck, who was the lady-in-waiting, yes. she, was, she was rather buxom.
0: Well, and and we had the badminton falling into her blouse. <laughs> yeah, that whole joke,
1: which I can relate to.
0: Yeah, I I just we hear it's uh, me as an older person. We hear throughout our life that Disney movies, family fair, family friendly. Uh, right. And I'm looking, I'm going, wow, that's a pretty kind of edgy kind of joke. I guess I do love the entire little fortune teller. Pulling one over on pulling the wool over the prince's eyes, I right. was just a absolutely wonderful thing. It reminded me a bit of the old séance Houdini thing with what you thought was going on, really wasn't going on. Mm-hmm. We have little John with a haunted mansion ish ball on a string with Tied these with fireflies stick. in there, yeah. which is, I believe, how they do it. How in Haunted Mansion, I think it's on a string
1: um, in the Haunted Mansion, uh, you know, the, moving the up, up and wall. down. I
0: yeah. mean, it used to be kind of set on a table, but now it's floating. It floats. But and if you
1: really pay attention and if, you, if the if the light catches just right, you can see the strings. Mm-hmm. Sorry. It, sorry, kids. It, yeah. Spoiler to, alert. Spoil so there.
0: I really did enjoy that with the it was giving hearkening back to all these little tricks mm-hmm. that were used to get people to believe that this was really happening and so they started to really work on this prince look at here do you see your crown do you see your name all these different things going on and they were just stealing and blind oh yeah i love the way that Lil john was i believe sucking out the the jewels on the ring oh yeah i it was just so so funny and the sir hiss was trying to tell him and he was just <laughs> no no we're busy le it was just so, so fun. I
1: love that he put the snake in a basket, right? Yeah, which is very
0: snake in a basket. Usually, a basket. it's come out of the basket yeah. with a
1: cobra, right? right. Yeah, so his was not a cobra, but again, I love that they showed kind of the cutaway, so to speak, mm-hmm. like what I would call x ray vision. You can see John sitting, up Prince John sitting on the basket, and Hiss is in there, and you, you know that that thing would have been smashed to bits. and... He would have been squished, squished, so that was kind of funny to watch that.
0: We saw another mirror, which is another once yes. upon a time connection. Connection. And this is the third film. We yeah. had mirrors in. Yeah. We saw mirrors in Snow White. Right. We saw mirrors in uh, Beauty and the Beast. Yes. We actually saw a handheld a mirror. handheld
1: in mirror, yes. Beauty
0: and the Beast. Mm-hmm. And we saw a handheld mirror here. I think Robin Hood was a... Reflection of the times as I mentioned before but it was also hope which hope mm-hmm. is one of those things that they always say once upon a time is really about hope.
1: Right. So. Well, Regina did oppress the people the townspeople mm-hmm. the village people especially after they you know protected Snow White and th- in that respect she is very Robin Hood like because she wasn't necessarily robbing from the rich to keep you know to give to the poor but she was beloved by the poor and the worse that Regina treated them the more they loved Snow White, which is exactly what happened with Robin Hood. The worse that Prince John treated the townspeople, the villagers of Nottingham, the Mm. more they loved him and wanted to help him out.
0: So you're saying the worse Regina treated the townspeople, the more they loved Snow White. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that was the truth because that's how, in fact, to tie this back in, that's how Marion ended up dead. She Mm. protected Snow. Yeah. So... And she didn't even know Snow at that point in time. So, I mean, when you have somebody who doesn't even know, I mean, in the Robin Hood, in this film, the townspeople all met him. They all knew him. They all adored him and they were willing to help him out. Here in Once Upon a Time, Marion doesn't even know Snow White, but she knows that she needs to protect her. So I think it's, you know, fascinating that it's a very similar thing. So that gives Snow a Robin Hood character quality even though she's not Robin Hood. And we kind of had, had thought that back when we first started seeing, you know, snowfalls and, and other, you know, beginning stories, backstories of Snow and Charming, how they met. We kind of thought maybe she learned how to shoot mm, bow and arrow from Robin. Right. So,
0: and, and we did see that connection when he had the bow and arrow in Rumpelstiltskin's estate. Mm-hmm. So. I did want to say I loved the little kid voices for the young rabbits and the turtle. Oh. I thought those were really great, cool choices. We've seen that with Thumper. We've seen that in other situations, but I, I just really thought it was nice for this.
1: They did get some really cute little kids who are good actors. I mean, I don't know if you know notice this at all or not, but the one of the directors of the director of this particular Robin Hood film, also happened to be the director of Jungle Book, and it was Wolf, Wolfgang Reitherman. Wolfgang Reitherman's son, Bruce, was the voice of Mowgli in Jungle Book. Uh. I don't know if Bruce had another part in this because it would have been five, six years later. So he would have been a little too grown up for that. He may have been in there, but um, maybe one of his other kids. But I, I'd have to look up the actors, the child actors. But they did a really good job. They're really cute, especially the little one that was always like, "Wait for me. Don't run so fast. Wait for me." Had yep. the cutest little voice. Yep. And then the little girl was adorable too. She was in love with Robin Hood because he was so handsome, which our Robin Hood in Once Upon a Time is very handsome as well.
0: Uh, he is a handsome fellow yes, indeed. He is. So, let's talk more about the other characters and their voices. You, okay. were,
1: you had okay. a couple of things. Um, yeah. So, uh Bruce, oh, not Bruce. Phil Harris. As we said to the Voice of Blue, Phil Harris was a crooner in the 40s, so he was very much uh, a singer more than an actor, but he did a great job. I remember as a child watching Jungle Book specifically and hearing his voice and thinking that was Uncle Bill from Family Affair, Brian Keith, mm. but it wasn't. Yep. So when I realized who that was and then now he's also a, another bear who looks identical to Blue in Robin Hood. I really enjoyed watching, you know, listening to him. He has a Fantastic voice. He always has the funniest lines too. He's very hip cat, you know? Kind of funny how that he just he's always kind of the cool, cool customer. Um Pat Buttram mm-hmm. did the voice of Sheriff of Nottingham. Yes. And he is hilarious. Pat Bertram is a great character actor from that era. And yes. he did a voice in, oh, off the top of my head, I can't remember because it's well, been he's a million he was in Green years. Acres. He was in Green Acres. Yes, he was. Wasn't he Mr. Haney? Yes. <laughs> Mr. Haney in Green Acres. He did a number of guest appearances on all kinds of things. He's done a number of things, but he's got that great Southern, heavy Southern accent.
0: Sir Hiss was voiced by Terry Thomas, who yes. was a, almost a go-to comedic <laughs> British actor. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't surprise me at all that they <laughs> that they picked him for that role. Right. And Peter Ustinoff was oh. Prince John, an established actor. Oh, very established, yeah. So, And films and plays and mm-hmm. everywhere. Everybody yep. knew who he was.
1: Well, Nutsy and Trigger, uh, Ken Curtis and George Lindsay. And George Lindsay, for some reason, he was on The Andy Griffith Show. That's what he. Was, that's why I was like, I couldn't remember oh, what he right. did. You're right. He was yeah. on The Andy Griffith Show. He was a... Goober Pyle, Gomer's cousin, I think. The cast was really, really de- well done. And even ro- I was kind of surprised that they had Roger Miller, who sang the songs, also be the voice of the rooster. You know where else we've, we've seen that sort of thing happen? Dukes of Hazzard. Yeah. That's the narrator. The, I was going to say that. Sang the song as well. Waylon Jennings, I believe.
0: All right. So let's talk about the... What the heck is Delay? Well, what is that? What? What is that? I,
1: I honestly cannot tell you what Odelali means. I know. It's
0: a song. I, it's a I song. I just don't know what I it means. I think
1: it was kind of a, a battle cry, so to speak. Okay. Do you know?
0: It was almost like something they wanted to make famous, and I never got it. So.
1: Well, okay. So, let's go back to another Disney film made much later than this one. Actually, not quite 20 years later than this one, where there was a phrase that was put in there that was kind of just a generic thing. Hakuna Matata, right? Mm-hmm. From Lion King. You have Bibbidi-Bobbidi-Boo from Cinderella. You have Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious from Mary Poppins. Just kind of almost nonsensical things that are just replacement things. It's, um, I think it's supposed to be a funny little thing that Becomes a catchphrase, so to speak.
0: Yeah. And i it never caught me, so I i, I didn't. Uh... <laughs> well,
1: I don't think it caught on to much of anybody, but I mean, you say Uda Lally, and uh, if people know their Disney movies, they're going to know what you're talking about.
0: All right. Like, so. Like uh... you
1: say Hakuna Matata. Mm-hmm. Most people know what that is. Supercalifragilistic, et cetera, et cetera. Everybody knows what that is. True. So it's kind of one of those things. It's just an, it's a, um, I, I still think the way they used it, it just seemed like it was almost like a battle cry.
0: Makes sense. Especially with season three of Once Upon a Time, there was a line in this movie that you're going to change from an outlaw to a hero. hmm Which mm-hmm. is very season three of Once Upon a Time where we get a pirate, an evil queen, yeah. who become heroes yeah. by what they do. Right, And so what I believe this was... Someone talking to Robin Hood and say, you're known as an outlaw, but one day you're going to be known as a hero right. by what you're doing. And he goes, you know, nobody likes me. You know, everyone thinks I just like steal and that's it. But you're doing, I'm doing good. So.
1: Right, right. Tuck was the one who did that. Tuck yes. was a voice of reason. So Prince John, unhappy about being tricked by the fortune tellers, realizing it was Robin Hood, gets really mad and decides he needs to trap him. So, he sets up an archery tournament. Yep. Which we have seen in another movie. And that would be...
0: Well, Brave. Okay. You better help me. I'll just keep naming them.
1: <laughs> brave. That is right. correct. Right, right. But Robin Hood men in tights. Okay. Had <laughs> the archery tournament. And Robin, again, disguised himself as an old man in that one. In this one, our Robin Hood disguises himself as a stork.
0: Yes. And that was another thing I did want to say. They dressed up like female fortune tellers for that fortune teller ruse yes. to steal the gold. But they were also masters of disguise.
1: Oh, very much so.
0: Robin and little John were mm-hmm. great friends. They had all these different adventures and they really built on that. And And the payoff comes at the end of the film, which we'll talk about, <laughs> yes, yes. but it was really, really incredible that they just could become any, any character they wanted to dress sure. up and whatever, sneak around. It reminded me of Hogan's heroes yeah. that under the nose of, you know, this <laughs> tyrannical leader and all these troops these guys these animals in this case could do whatever they wanted to yeah. they snuck around did this did that it was pretty
1: fun it was very so. funny so speaking of tyrannical there was a funny little line when Skippy was playing play fighting like he was robin hood and lady cluck was playing prince john which I loved her accent, by the way, such a Scottish accent. Oh my gosh, so adorable. They were fighting and he was like, death to tyrants, which I think is hilarious because little kids, what do they know about what that means? They hear it, but they don't know. But anyway, that was a, that was a funny little scene. And that was really where we kind of see that, you know, there's some attraction between the two. They did a typical love story thing where, you know, Marion is confiding in Lady Cluck. And then when that's, confessions finished they switch over to robin burning the porridge or whatever he had the stew going on on the fire because he was so deep in thought Mm -hmm.
0: i i wanted to talk Mm -hmm. really quick about something and then go right there is that when marian was looking out the window after she had the conversation with her lady waiting i thought she was going to sing a song I swear it was almost set up perfectly yeah. for her to sing this yeah. love song about Robin. Yeah. And they didn't.
1: No, but did it remind you of anything? Snow White looking out the window, yeah. um, at, you know, in the pilot. Yeah. I mean, granted, it was a slightly different situation, but it kind of had a similar, a fam- you know, familiar feel to it.
0: I did laugh at the whole cooking of the stew scene because he was thinking about her and and all that kind of thing. What really cracked me up, and I know this is kind of minor, but Fryer kept eating that stew that made him blow smoke rings, and he kept eating it. And I was like, <laughs> if it's so bad, even... Little John was saying, Oh my, you ruined this thing. He's like, Black stuff. Not a stuff, good cook. Black stuff coming out of it, and he's throwing <laughs> it away and putting it in a different pot. And, and, and the Fry tuck just keeps eating and sipping it, sipping it, <laughs> sipping it. And I go, Man, dude. I
1: couldn't tell. Are you hungry? What I couldn't tell was whether it was spicy, and that's why he was blowing the smoke mm-hmm, rings, right. or whether it was just burnt, and that's why he was blowing smoke rings. It was kind of funny. Another thing
0: I did want to say is. There were a lot of 60s and early 70s jargon.
1: Yes. Oh, I'm going to so. lay
0: on some this and that and all <laughs> this. And I was going, wow, this is really. We think a lot of times that Disney is almost the same, but Disney did incorporate a lot of what was going on at the time to be relatable.
1: Oh, very much so.
0: And sometimes it was dated like it is now if you watch it you go, "Man, that's that was way 60s, dude." Yeah. I, you know, yeah. but anyway, it was just it was interesting that all that was in there. You you wouldn't think that from a You, you
1: know. wouldn't you wouldn't, but I thought it was really funny that, you know, Robin was so deep in thought mm-hmm. that Mr. Cool Cat uh B- no, not blue.
0: I almost yeah.
1: Little bit of hat in a clothes in a different color. Right. Little John
0: mm-hmm.
1: started calling him by nicknames. Rob. Right. Rob. Robert. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's not even like the appropriate nickname. It was kind of funny because he couldn't get him to like pay attention, and, I, and he I, goes, "Hey."
0: I don't want to skip ahead, but, but I did that really built their friendship. It did. Have nicknames and different things, sure. you sure. know, dressing up in these different things, sneaking around, almost getting caught, almost getting sure. killed. And I really thought that that was important. I mean, we're talking about a cartoon, but it really did build that friendship and and all that.
1: It, it so. solidified it. But if you remember back to the beginning of the movie, when they're when he, Alan and Dale start singing the song about Robin Hood. He says Robin Hood and Little John running through the forest mm-hmm. laughing back and forth at what the other one has to say. So they, they had a friendship. It was already established but I think things, as things went through, as the conflict with Prince John increased and escalated, I think that's when they, it just solidified their friendship even more. So, yeah. And by the way, Let's just talk about the whole archery tournament here a little bit, okay? Because the archery tournament, hilarious. Yeah, there were so many funny things about that tournament. There was the golden arrow, that was a once upon a time connection.
0: Well, the gold tipped arrow.
1: No, it was a golden arrow that Rumpelstiltskin gave, gave to, to
0: Snow White or Prince Charming. Charming to shoot the queen, right? Well,
1: it was Snow White to give. He gave it yeah. to Snow White because it, ne- it never missed. It
0: never missed his mark. Anymore.
1: Right. Okay. Right. And mm-hmm. that was a nod to Robin Hood because Robin Hood never missed his mark. Right. And in fact, he actually, towards the end of the tournament, he's he shoots and the snake bumps his bow, shoots straight up in the air, which means he's not going to hit the target not even close. He immediately pulls out another arrow and tips it to go in and just decimate the sheriff's arrow
0: and that was very much like often i would say in the first season of once upon a time is oh, man yeah. prince charming can't miss nope. little did i know as the show progressed no white would never miss oh yeah so they were both just excellent oh, yeah. archers yeah and
1: which anyway yeah and by the way that scene also reminded me a little bit of robin hood prince uh, robin hood men in tights the archery yeah. tournament in that scene as well, because Robin Hood ended up with a funny arrow that kind of forced its way into the into the bullseye. So, yep. the other thing about the tournament was <laughs> Little John's costume, <laughs> his disguise, or Reginald Duke of Chutney,
0: <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> Which is funny, just because it's very funny. His suit did not fit him. Even remotely closely at all. It was so tight. He was the buttons were straining like they were gonna just pop off at any second. He looked like a pimp from the seventies. Okay. He had a walking stick <laughs> and that ties into gold with his pimp cane. Right. <laughs> right. That's a nod to Luli, by the way. Yeah. That was hilarious. And then the whole just moving the snake out of getting the snake out of the way to sit down and kind of be that like he almost usurped prince john's you know or he definitely usurped sir hiss's place if i remember correctly too at one point right before this all happens hiss is so excited he's you know standing up tall and he's he's taller than prince john and prince john pulls him down and goes no one sits higher than the prince,
2: mm-hmm. higher
1: than me or whatever, and he pulls him down. If I remember correctly, B- or, dude, Baloo, Little John sits in the chair, and he's taller by nature. He has to be taller. Even though he's sitting in a lower chair, he still ends up being taller, if I remember correctly. I'll have to watch that again, but that was kind of funny. And and Prince John, because he's so enamored of this Duke of Chutney, has no idea. So, And I love the other the other part that little John tried to take the rings again, which he'd replaced all his rings. I remember as a kid thinking, Oh, he's got more rings. Right. I would like one of those. I would like to have a bunch of those, but he was going to go in and and try to do the same thing he'd done when he was the gypsy. And you would think that Prince John would have recognized him immediately. His did, but Prince John didn't, but he was a little, Oh, you know, I keep losing all these rings. (laughs) Anywho, yes. but um, Duke of Chutney, hilarious. And um, the feathered hat, that was very... And the fact he was wearing purple, bright purple, pinkish purple, that was very Pimp Daddy from the 70s.
0: There were a lot of marching scenes in oh, this movie. very much so. Oh, my gosh.
1: And a lot of more reused marching scenes, right, by the right. way. And the elephants trumpeting the way they did, that was pretty funny, too. And that was reused. A couple of those things were reused.
0: Now... I love sound effects. Mm-hmm. I know what it's like to be, to do fan audio stuff and, yes. and to be kind of pushed up against a wall and not having a sound effect and wanting to and, something and
1: not having Ben Burt to do them for you.
0: Right. <laughs> and so you mentioned one, the, the tail spinning.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: Yeah. Yep. And that was and,
1: very much someone mouthing that noise.
0: Absolutely. I also noticed one of the whooshes of the arrow was like Oh whoosh,
1: yeah. yeah. Whoosh. <laughs> a lot of them so were somebody, somebody got doing paid. sound
0: effects. <laughs> I right, dude, get in front of the microphone, watch this watch this and do a mouth with whoosh.
1: We need a voice, we need a sound of this. We need this sound. Maybe it was Ben Burtt. Maybe we don't. We haven't looked it up. Wouldn't no, that be I, funny? I don't think. Okay, because he's he's known for doing you know his own sound effect stuff. So right. I mean, I would I would have laughed hard if that had been a Ben Burtt thing because that would have been really some of the background stuff. We've we've talked about backgrounds in the other movies and they've been unbelievably beautiful so far. This was very well done, but at one point you were frustrated with the water. You're like, dude, that could have been better. My guess is. Not enough budget to make the water. They did waterfall later and it was a much better and then drip drops of the rain Mm -hmm. on the surface of the ground and the surface of the water and that was very well done. But that one particular scene
0: It was the montage (laughs) of May Marion and Robin Hood walking by. There was a shot of the waterfall by itself. I don't think it was well, it was okay. There was another shot of the the lake with the lily pads on it. And it was just these white little lines. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking they could do so much better Yeah, yeah. With, with this, with the movement of the water. I mean, sure. we've seen Snow White was light years ahead right. of that. Right. And they know how to do it. But more than likely, it was the budget. the budget. But then there was a scene where they walked behind this waterfall in this little cave. Mm-hmm. And even the water there was like, oh, yeah. that was really great. Yeah. I, anyway...
1: That was the romance. And by the way, that song that was sung was Love. And it was written by George Bruns, who did the music for Sleeping Beauty and mm-hmm. Jungle Book. Okay. Brilliant composer. Unbelievable. Brilliant composer. And it was not sung by the voice actress who did the voice of Maid Marian. But it was that song was featured in the 2009 film adaptation of Fantastic Mr. Fox. What a great little tie in there with the foxes.
0: Okay, I want to talk about the music that's not vocal music. Okay, sure. That was some of the most hip daddy cat music I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) Jazzy, rocky, kind of all kind of very much. It was some hip daddy cat music, and I just who who would have thought there was some kind of symphonic horns playing Mm -hmm. here and there. And I said, okay, that sounds like Disney. And then the other stuff's like, that doesn't sound like Disney. It didn't fit at all. Maybe it did sound like some of the music. I have to be honest. I have not watched many of the live action Disney films, the Shaggy DA, Mm -hmm. all those types of movies. Perhaps that was used there. That type of kind of... Possibly. Reaching Actually. out to that youthful audience with sort of the musicality of the day. Yeah,
1: but, well, because early so. 70s, like like I said, you have the hippie music, but I think you also have, there is that carryover from the beatnik era, right. which, you know, we're kind of at the tail end of that in, in this point. So that's a possibility. There was another bit of music, which is interesting. So after the whole tournament and Robin wins it, and he's about to get his kiss from Marion, and she's all excited about this. Prince John reveals him to be reveals the stork to be Robin Hood. So then a fight ensues. They capture him and then she pleads, Don't I love him? And he's like, Well, does he love you? And he says, Yes, I love you more than life itself. And he goes, Well, that's great. Wonderful young love. However, <laughs> he's a traitor and he needs to be executed. So everybody's scrambling to try and rescue Robin. And then a big fight ensues. And it was kind of an amusing little montage fight scene. Mm -hmm. There were so many elements of that that were hilarious. But I think the music is what cracked me up even more than anything else. When Lady Cluck is fighting off the soldiers, it's American football music. Mm -hmm. And by the way, here's a little tidbit of trivia for you. And a little shout out to our friends, Tommy Picks Mm -hmm. and his wife, Lena, and their son, Chris, especially. Right. You know where I'm going with this? Yes. Part of that American football music was "Fight On," mm-hmm. which is the University of Southern California go Trojans. Yes, that's their theme song. And another part of it was "On Wisconsin," which is the respective fight song of University of Wisconsin. So they use those because they're very football fight songs. I right. mean, they're right. like well-known fight ball foot songs. Fight ball
0: football. <laughs> Fight songs. Yes,
1: thank you. Well,
0: I'll, I'll give you a bit of a break and I'll, I'll. I was just
1: so excited about the information. I know. Um, anyway, football fight songs. And so that's why. But it was kind of funny because here in England, they don't play American football, they play rugby. True. <laughs> but American audiences would not have understood or recognized any rugby fight songs if there are any, which I'm sure there probably are some somewhere. There might be. I don't know. And they certainly wouldn't have recognized any other, you know, traditional English or might not have recognized traditional English athletics. But it was kind of funny that they, you know, hear she pushing through. And then she and um, Little John, I keep wanting to call him Blue. swear.
0: <laughs> little Blue,
1: <laughs> Little Blue, Little John and Lady Cluck go in opposite ends of the tent where all the rhinos are in there. And they're all fighting off and she keeps getting pushed out and then she gets back in and he keeps getting pushed out and he jumps up and he pops up through the top. It looked like a Chinese dragon at, you know, mm. Chinese New Year it was kind of funny with the, the the tent kind of waving around and yep. flailing in the wind. And then here's these rhinos like and it sounds start to sound like a choo-choo train. And so they're chasing around, you know, all through the whole thing. It was just the funniest crazy mishmash scene it was just... It was very funny. It was a very funny little scene. Made me laugh. You know, the elephants on the top uh, of the tower, mm-hmm. and they see it coming, they're like freaking out, and then they see them turn another way, and then all of a sudden they get plowed over. So, I mean, you just it's just... It's a, it's a comedic, um, bumbling, right. cops, three stooges kind of a, a scene. Just made me laugh.
0: And we did see... Are we... Can I talk about the debtor's prison?
1: You can. And that's where, and actually we're getting kind of to that whole point. Okay. So uh, after that whole scene, mm. they're in the forest and they're having a celebration. And this is where they're having their celebration. And then they're mocking Prince John yeah. singing. He's the phony King of England. And that was a hip swinging, you know, sixties <laughs> jazz, you know, uh, beating it kind of a thing. It was a fun song. It was kind of goofy. And then there was even a part where they were, like, going on and on and on about his really bad characteristics. I mean, it was like they were dragging it out. And it made him so mad that um, when he heard (laughs) the sheriff and Sir Hiss singing it, he's like, triple the taxes. And if they can't pay, it's to jail with them. So debtor's prison. That's what it's typically known as. We can't pay your... That was a long... That's a million years ago. They used to call it that. But, yeah.
0: And, and again, going back to what we would mentioned before, is that this movie really was relating to tough times and tough taxation and all that. Yeah. I really, really loved the the little moments, there was a moment in the debtor's prison where they were all taking care of each other. Yeah. Even under this, this iron hand of taxes and rule of this crazy evil king or prince, they were still taking care of each other. Things were still going on. You know, even before then Robin Hood was still kind of doing that, taking care. Yeah. And so he was modeling goodness, Mm -hmm. even though he was a robber. He was modeling goodness. And so they were keeping that up. The little scene in the church when Friar Tuck was in the church and the poor box was empty. The church was empty. The little mouse went inside her little house and pulled the one little, you know, widow's mite, if you will, and handed it to Friar Tuck and put it in the poor box. It was just, that was very tender moments of, of goodness within all that tough Mm -hmm. times
1: which by the way did you recognize that they were church mice yeah Yeah. which was really cute he was the sextant which is like a caretaker of the church so to speak this is where sheriff visits the whole thing and then he goes back and prince john they're having this conversation and prince john is like frustrated because he's like i don't care about this stuff i want robin hood and he realizes that the only way to do this to get robin is to hang Friar Tuck.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: Which is kind of bizarre because you would think that he would have thought in terms of, which we've seen in other Robin Hood movies, is Mary made Marion. Do something to Maid Marion. But in this movie, he opted to have him, they opted to have um, Prince John hang Friar Tuck, which was pretty pretty brutal. I mean, they were going to hang him. It's funny because, I mean, up to this point, they've had all these fights. They've flung arrows and thrown spears and swords and whatever, and nobody's gotten really hurt, right? We we haven't seen anybody getting hurt. True. Now they're planning to literally hang him until he's dead, and it's the friar. I mean, it's a man of – and even Sheriff goes, whoa, dude, that's a man of the church. Are you kidding me? You really want to go that far? And he says, no, when he tries to rescue him, that's what's going to happen. We're going to catch him instead. And there'll be two of them, you know, blah, blah, blah. It, it, he, that's, when, that's when Prince John went from this bumbling, crazy, or bumbling, goofy, psychological mama's boy, desperately wanting mommy's affection, to this vicious, horrible, awful creature. And it kind of reminded me a little bit of, you know, Regina's turn when her mother basically killed Daniel where that kind of put her over the edge. And then for it, but actually it was not even that point. She was upset. What put her over the edge was being forced to marry King Leopold. I think that's when that, when that whole, I and mean, when she realized it was snow that had done, the, you know, had unfortunately told the secret. I think that's when she, you know, it was kind of that similar thing where for, for Prince John, they mocked him. They'd taken, you know, they weren't, they weren't loving him and they weren't giving him all the adoration that he wanted. And so he decided to take her. Because the only thing he had was revenge on Robin, which is very much like how Regina had vengeance on snow. Yeah. Just very single-minded. She didn't care about anything else. She wasn't interested in hurting anybody else. It was snow. And then we see that um, the sheriff is building the gallows. And Robin comes up. <laughs> Again, master disguise. Yep, yep. He comes up and he's like talking to the guys and and nutsy and trigger. You know, nutsy being stupid that he stupid. You know, buzzard or vulture that he is. Kind of spills the beans, so to speak. That's how Robin knows that the best course of action is he's got to break him free, break Firetuck free from prison tonight. Can't wait till the morning because that's when he's going to get hanged. Yep. And then we see the whole plot. Which reminded us uh, the whole plot to rescue Farah Tuck with use of climbing the palace, grappling, walls yeah, and hooks definitely
0: and then, the uh, <clears throat> Team Seven climbing the wall, very much so with the uh, grappling hooks and all that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, and it actually reminded me too of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, mm-hmm. which is another great. I know people get unhappy with Kevin Costner kind of phoning in his performance because he didn't even use an accent, but it was still a good story and um, it reminded me of that whole scene where he you know they're climbing over the wall and they're running across the walls and you know trying to hide things and and in order to to save you know Robin's friends so we see that they're breaking in and that whole scene with (laughs) Sheriff and Nutsy and Trigger they are the dumbest creatures yeah they're so dumb I mean Robin put a sock on his nose for heaven's sake to look like the vulture (laughs) That was hilarious. I mean, it was dark, so that's probably why they were able to get away with it. But it was so funny. And then singing the song to him, you know, "Rockaby Sheriff," <laughs> let me loosen your belt for you. <laughs> I mean, come on, that was that was pretty funny. And then I love the whole, you know, trigger. Kind of like how Prince or Sir Hiss was trying to warn Prince John. Same principle. Trigger and Sir Hiss were two of the same, you know, two birds of a feather. Trigger was like, "Sheriff, something's going on." He's like, "No, you idiot! It's just nutsy." Blah blah blah. <laughs> it was very funny. It was just a very funny, very typical. I thought it was very clever how Robin scaled the wall of the palace of the castle and ended up in Prince John's bedroom. Kind of took you know stock of the room and what was going on and then he shot the arrow into the prison cell and they made a pulley system to take all the money out and everything was going swimmingly until all of a sudden hiss wakes up and sees what's going on and then actually when john when prince john when he took the last bag and and started to go out and and Dashing Errol Flynn kind of moves, flying across things, you know, swinging on ropes and, you know, getting himself into really sticky situations. And Little John is busting everybody out. And I mean, these guards are like the worst shots ever.
0: They shoot worse than stormtroopers. Let's just lay it out there.
1: Yeah, let's just put that out there because they do shoot pretty badly. It's, I mean, missing left and right. And, but I will say this: what really kind of like whoa. And you know, as a child, I wouldn't think anything of this because I, I would have, I think I would have paid attention to this. But they were shooting at children.
0: Yeah. True.
1: So they escape, and then we see Robin. Prince John basically sets the castle on fire, which reminded me of Rumpelstiltskin setting the Duke's castle on fire
0: when he was going when for he was going the, for the
1: dagger, Derek One Dagger,
0: the Zoso dagger. yeah. Yep.
1: yep, exactly. So a lot of similarities there. Then we see Robin Hood jumping from the roof into the moat. Moat's not very. I mean, it's pretty deep. But uh, it wasn't that deep. And and then you see it. uh, They're shooting at him from the wall. And they can't hit little children and cripple people running with crutches and canes and moving pretty slowly. They can't, you know, hit them. But they managed to hit Robin Hood in the water. Right. Which, by the way, why did Robin Hood end up this way? Because he was saving that one little tiny little kid who was carrying his little stuffed bunny. Which I thought was funny that a little bunny was carrying a stuffed bunny. Mm-hmm. instead of a stuffed teddy bear true it was just very funny um but anyway so robin ends up in the water and it looks like he's been shot his hat is you know pierced by an arrow and then it just goes under and i remember as a child being traumatized by mm-hmm. that thinking, "Oh!" <gasps> <gasps> and then all of a sudden well let, let, go let, ahead let okay. stay there
0: for just a second The two people that were really reacting to it, and that's when I really kind of bought this, that this was an emotional moment at that moment because you see little John, his best friend, Mm -hmm. Johnny, John, and he called him Rob. Yeah. You know, they had this friendship. And then the bunny who Robin Hood gave the bow and arrow and the hat to. Yeah. So... They were two close friends a- yeah. apart from May Marion. Right? right. And that's what sold it for me when the little rabbit was crying and you know, little John's, you know, tearing up there. Yeah. He can't be, he can't be gone. He can't be. And that was, that was really a great moment. So, and then, ta da, he's using a little, you know, Trick of the bamboo or some kind of little straw to breathe. A reed. And, yeah.
1: What does that remind you of?
0: Well, that what Sheriff Grant. I keep talking about the Sheriff Grant gave Wood the whistle to Snow White of it was a reed. Made from and a reed, put little. Holes in it that she has not yet used. By the way, that we've since seen. season one
1: that we have, we haven't seen. But but again, that was a nice little tie into Robin Hood
0: right. because
1: again, it gave her. She is the female version of Robin Hood. Even though we have the mm. real Robin Hood now, she is still a female version of Robin Hood because she had the reed and that was her escape. Yeah, that was her. That was her safety. Yeah. So. Use
0: this if you're ever in danger. Exactly. That's what Sheriff exactly. Grant told Snow White right. to do.
1: So he used the reed. He managed to escape, mm-hmm. and he came out unharmed. And everybody, you know, celebrated. And then, <laughs> I love the fact that you know Prince John is beyond mad. And then Sir Hiss goes that his mother's castle's on fire. He goes, "Your mother's castle's on fire," and so he starts crying like a little baby sucking his thumb. Mm-hmm. And then um, we see that. There's a celebration, there's a wedding, King Richard has returned and has imprisoned his Prince John, and the sheriff. They're now on the chain gang, it's the little raccoons on the chain gang. Right. They're on the chain gang, and they're breaking rocks, and um, everybody's happy. And they leave Nottingham, and you know, little John and Skippy kind of follow along. So that's the yeah. little band of merry people.
0: I did not think we would have that much to talk about with Robin Hood.
1: Who knew? We had a lot to talk about, and we were all over the map, and I apologize again. But, you know, things just kind of came to us as they came to us. True. Oh, one more little thing that okay. I thought about. All right. One wow. more little thing. All right. We talked about all the characters and other characters we haven't seen in Once Upon a Time yes. that are in Robin Hood. We have seen Marion. We have not seen her her lady-in-waiting because we don't know if she's royal. We have not seen King Richard. The Lionhearted, which maybe we will see him potentially,
0: but we've seen a tattoo. We've seen a tattoo. We, we assume that means he is, is
1: because he, lion, because Robin yeah. Hood was a friend of King Richard Lionhearted, yeah. and then more importantly, is we haven't seen Prince John, or have we? Hmm. Remember, Zelena's father right. said his name was Prince Jonathan. I do not recall that, but I, okay. He was Prince Jonathan. All right. So I'm wondering if that's a little nod to that. Hmm. Wow. He was a gardener. Yes. So he wasn't the real a real prince. He was uh, like Prince John was pretending to be King John. Yeah.
0: Imagine that. A, lo- a lowly person pretending to be something know, they're not or op opposite. Right. Wow. Right. Yeah. Yep, yep. So
1: that was just my last little tie in. All right.
0: Cool. I did want to give a couple of uh, thank yous to folks that have left iTunes reviews for us. And the first is Saz, S-A-Z-7878 from the UK.
1: Awesome.
0: Uh, Love this podcast. Friendly host who clearly enjoy the show. Keep it up, guys. Love from UK. Big love back to you in the UK. Thank you so much. Also from Space Cowboy, 911 from Canada. We cool. love our Canadian listeners we and friends. Do. We up love there. all our listeners, I know.
1: but we have a fondness for the Canadian ones because we've been there and visited. Yes, we need to go visit England. I would love to do that.
0: Yes, indeed. Uh, I will. Uh, Space Cowboy Nine One One says, "Love your show. Have been listening since the Crocodile and still listening and loving it. Highly recommend it to anyone who wants a fun and intelligent podcast. Thank you very much. The last is from Gribble One Hundred One from the USA. I can't say enough about what a great podcast this is. I'm a longtime fan of the show, but only recently found this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I'm telling this person this. Yes. (laughs) I'll continue. I would say without reservation that this is one of the very best podcasts I have had the pleasure pleasure to hear. Also, I love the new podcast about the original Disney cartoons. Keep it up, guys. You have a listener for life. Thank you so much. Thank you very humbling uh, to hear. We appreciate (laughs) that so much.
1: And we do have fun. Um, You know, we're not perfect, but we have fun and we hope you do learn something or at least enjoy listening to us ramble on about things that make us happy.
0: Yes. And I'm going to play a voice, little feedback from Daniel from the Diz Geek podcast. So here's an audio comment from Daniel from the Diz Geek podcast.
2: Hey there, Jeff and Colleen, it's Daniel from the Diz Geek Podcast, and I'm here to talk to you about Robin Hood and why I like it. (laughs) You know, back in the day, I was really into animation, and I really appreciated the art of animation, and one of my favorite animators in the world still (laughs) is Don Bluth. He became really popular for his non-Disney work, most notably an American tale. You remember Five O, right? He also did The Secret of Nim*, The Land Before Time, All Dogs Go to Heaven, and Anastasia, just to name a few. He was also the animator behind the video games uh, Dragon's Lair and Space Ace. Remember those Laserdisc games back in the arcade? I used to play the hell out of Dragon's Lair, man. I beat that game eventually. Full-on quarters too, not like on video later at the arcade. you used to have people standing behind me watching me beat the dragon. It was awesome. But one of the reasons why I love that game is because I love the animation that was in it. Hand-drawn, old school, you know, fantastic. At the time, that was top of the art, and it was Don Bluth. So I became a huge fan of Don Bluth, and I went back and researched what he did, and I saw all his movies, and then I read... And he was one of the main character animators for Robin Hood. So if you know Don Bluth, if you know his work and you're familiar with his style, you could totally see it in Robin Hood. And that's what makes sort of Robin Hood a standout for me because it's Don Bluth and I love his style. So that's one of the main reasons why I love Robin Hood. Uh, Robin Hood also has some really awesome voice talent. Peter Ustinov... Did I say his name right (laughs) as Prince John and Peter Ustinov is one of those actors who's like Shakespearean and very deep voice and very serious. Anyway, that's kind of how I saw him. I could be totally wrong, by the way, but that's just sort of how I remember him. But to hear that dude with his voice playing Prince John sucking his thumb all the time and having interactions with the snake. Uh, dude, he was he was great, man. I, I loved that part that he did. I loved uh, Prince John. I thought he was hilarious. Uh, another voice actor that was in that film was Pat Bertram. Butram. I again, names not not good at it. He played the sheriff of Nottingham, and if you watch Disney and you watch Disney films, you you'll hear that dude's voice everywhere. I mean, he's he's in a lot of the Disney films, and uh, he's one of my favorite. But by far, my favorite voice in Robin Hood is, of course, Phil Harris as Little John. Basically, it's Baloo playing Little John. It's almost like the same character. <laughs> but uh, I love that part, and I, I love Phil Harris. I love the way he talks. I like the way he sings. Uh, I believe he, he played Baloo, but he also played same, almost the same part uh, in The Aristocats. Tom O'Reilly, was it? Tom O'Malley. O'Malley. O'Malley's ringing a bell. I'm going on memory here, people. But, uh, yeah, I love Phil Harris and just another reason why uh, Robin Hood is one of my favorites. And I, I would agree that it is definitely not one of the best of the Disney films, to be honest. The songs aren't that great. But for me, because of Don Bluth and because of Phil Harris, uh, that is definitely on my list as one of my favorite Disney films. So that's why I like it. Big love. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you much, Daniel, Thanks, for Daniel. that. Excellent. We'll forgive you for the names. Absolutely.
1: He got them all right eventually. Great thoughts. <laughs> he did. He corrected himself and got them all right yes. at, at the end. So good job.
0: <laughs> That's it from us. The next movie that we will be watching and reviewing is, drum roll please, <sighs> Peter Pan. Yay. 1953, Peter Pan. Peter. That's right. I love Peter Pan. So thank you for joining us. Please spread the word. Let other people know that during the hiatus of Once Upon a Time, there's fun, cool, and sometimes hip daddy cat stuff going on (laughs) over at onceuponatimepodcast.com as the Disney Once Again podcast. All right. Until next time, this is Jeff Roney and Colleen Roney and little... Our dog, Lady, is sleeping there. We all say big love to you, take care, and we will talk to you soon. Bye. See you guys. Thank you so much for joining us for Disney Once Again. Disney Once Again is a Rony's Own Media production and part of the Once Upon a Time Fan Podcast. If you're new to the Once Upon a Time Fan Podcast, You can go to onceuponatimepodcast.com slash iTunes and subscribe to the feed. That way, you'll never miss another episode. We're building a community around this podcast on Facebook. You can get to it at facebook.com slash Disney once again. Thank you so much for joining us. Until next time, this is Jeff and Colleen saying, talk to you soon.